Amen. I come from a long line of world-class warriors. In fact, I think my family has raised worrying to a fine art. I'm pretty sure I'm not alone. A show of hands for all you worriers out there. Yeah. So this morning's scripture passage is one that's especially appropriate for me and maybe you as well. It turns out Jesus had something to say about worrying, about anxiety. To get to set the scene for you, it was in the middle of his famous Sermon on the Mount. He had gathered a crowd, kind of like a Taylor Swift concert without the ticket prices. And they were hanging on to his every word. He was surrounded by folks like him, peasants, who, believe me, had some real stuff to worry about. And when Jesus read the crowd, he had these words to say about our tendency toward high anxiety. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither snow, sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who seek all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, there is so much to worry about this morning, concerns that we share and concerns that are ours alone. So settle us down, silence in us any voice but your own, and in the silence remind us once again of your love that is all, all around us and in us and that will never let us go. In Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. It was May of 2020. Does anybody remember what was happening in May of 2020? It was locked down and the planes were not flying. We were not driving to work. The school buses were not picking up our kids and we were reeling with our new reality. 
And one of the number one Google searches at that time was this. Are the birds getting louder? People all over the world were wondering, are the birds getting louder? People who had never noticed birdsong were getting rudely awakened by it. And so they asked Google. It turns out that the birds were, of course, not getting louder. It was just that we had been so busy creating noise pollution that we hadn't noticed the birds until that noise was not there. In fact, according to ornithologists, birdsong actually got quieter without that atmospheric noise. Since they didn't have to try so hard to be heard by potential mates, like people raising their voices across a, a crowded bar. The thing is, the birds didn't change. We did. Suddenly, without all the distractions, we could be present and we could hear them as they sang. Neuroscientist Judson Brewer does work around two basic networks in our brain. The narrative network, he says, is occupied with the self, the events of the past and anxieties or fantasies about the future. The, net, the narrative network perseverates about times in our lives that are over and worrying about things that may or may not happen. And it often makes us miss the good things that are happening now. These ruminations of the mind rarely result in serenity. The other brain network is called the direct experiential network. When this part of our brain is active, our ruminations cease and we become engulfed in what is happening now in the present moment, which may be as simple as listening to the birds because the birds are singing whether we notice them or not. And hearing them is a pleasure we can either ignore or indulge in. And it's pretty hard to tune in to the birds when we are ourselves are engulfed in worry. Now we all worry, we live in a culture of anxiety every day, day in and day out. You and I are exposed to thousands of commercial messages on social media and television in the newspaper that urge us to worry. And that's their job. Don't get me wrong, there is plenty to worry about. Severe weather, like we had this week, the planet, the Earth had its four hottest days on record in this last week, and we have heat and floods everywhere. Will my kids have a future? In our personal lives, we worry about our kids and our grandkids. We worry about aging parents. We worry about our health. We fear getting old and not having health care. We fear obesity and identity theft. We fear our best days are over. We fear we might contract some disease or condition that will require one of those drugs that are advertised on TV with all the scary side effects. <laughs> we fear fear itself. And I don't think it's actually possible to live fully 
in this world with our eyes and ears open and not worry a lot. So what did Jesus mean when he said, do not worry? Bible scholars suggest that the word anxious is closer to what Jesus meant. Somehow anxiety amplifies worrying to a way of life, a certain way of approaching life itself. Psychologists define anxiety as a distressing apprehension, a a chronic worry. They say it's frequently accompanied by unpleasant symptoms that range from restless irritability, concentration difficulty, muscle tension, to sleep problems. Anxiety is quite literally a painful response to feeling powerless against uncontrollable forces. It's a powerful, unfocused fear that underlies and expands and exaggerates the thousand and one things that we worry about. And it affects us psychologically, physically, politically, and economically. So what are we to make of this hopelessly naive, impractical, and unrealistic advice that Jesus gives us? Do not worry. In fact, not only does this advice seem out of touch, it's downright anti-American. It's against what we teach our children, right? We want them to worry. We want them to worry about doing their chores and getting good grades and going to college and getting a good job. So it's a little hard to swallow that Jesus wants us to stop worrying. I mean, he never had to balance a checkbook or pay a mortgage or wonder where his next check was coming from. But let's take a closer look at what Jesus was saying. Look at the birds, he said. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Well, yes, let's look at the birds. Have you watched birds outside your kitchen window? They are busy all day long. In fact, there is nothing more obsessively busy nor harder working than two robins constructing a nest, flying back and forth all day long with twigs and leaves and pieces of string. And when the eggs hatch, working all day to feed their young. When I watch the birds in my yard, I don't see a whole lot of loafing around. But I do hear a lot of beautiful singing. They may not have the capacity to worry about tomorrow, but they work all day to be ready for it. So I don't think that Jesus was suggesting that his followers don't work hard and provide for themselves and those who depend upon them. Consider the lilies, he said, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. Well, this is true enough, but not terribly helpful when your child is hungry and shivering in the cold because you cannot afford a coat. So let's look at the last line of the passage, which gives us a clue about what Jesus may have been getting at. He said, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. 
Today's trouble is enough for today. Let's work on today. Worrying doesn't change the past and it doesn't change the future, but it can prevent us from being fully present in the present that God has given us today. Jesus said, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? Worrying is just a distraction. Our own Tom Fate humorously writes about distraction in his book called Cabin Fever, A Suburban Father's Search for the Wild Within. He writes, as technology gets smarter and faster, I get dumber and slower and more distracted. This became clear to me last week when I began, when I again lost my car in the parking lot. After a 10 minute search in the rain on an acre of blacktop, I finally found it. I pretended that I knew where I was going, but it was embarrassing. And last month I found my billfold in the cheese drawer of the refrigerator. After I finally decided to stop looking for it and finish making my lunch. <laughs> and more than once I've been surprised at a stop sign when a ceramic mug of coffee comes flying off the roof of my car. <laughs> bounces off the hood and shatters on the street. Perhaps these are all signs of something ominous, he writes, or something, of increasing, something that's increasingly common living in between the past and the future, but never quite in the present. I think Jesus is calling us to live in the present, to seek God's kingdom now, today. He's suggesting we stop living our lives as if they were a dress rehearsal and to trust that God is in charge and that she is with us in the here and now. I think Christians can be particularly susceptible to worrying about the future of their eternal soul, of whether God will punch their ticket to heaven. One of my colleagues tells a wonderful, poignant story about tucking in his young daughter at night when she was about seven or eight, in that wonderful time when children feel free to talk about what has been on their minds. And she asks him, is it true that when you die, you go to heaven and live forever? Like the clouds and play harps or something? Well, not wanting to undermine her fragile sensibility about death, he hedged and he said, well, no, no one really knows what heaven is like, and the Bible doesn't say much about it, but Christians tend to believe that when we die, we somehow are with God in some new way, which is called heaven, and that time doesn't feel long or short, so you wouldn't feel like it would be forever, to which she replied, well, I sure hope not, because it just seems really boring. <laughs> well, this led to a lovely discussion about how some people worry so much about the future or the past that they never really are actually aware of what's going on right here in the present. 
To which she said, hmm, that's too bad, because it seems like people who are like that don't really even exist. Out of the mouths of babes, when we live in the past or in the future, it seems like we really don't exist. Jesus said, do not worry about your life. It's an audacious statement, and it's so difficult to follow, isn't it? It calls us to let go of so many of our comfortable assumptions of control. But it's also really a quite beautiful summation of the whole Christian message. Do not worry, worry, fear not. Today is sufficient unto today. Trust. In spite of war and famine, in spite of heartbreak and loss, in spite of all the slings and arrows this world is heir to, give us this day our daily bread. Do we dare to claim it? Do we dare to let go of our anxiety about the future and start paying real attention to today? As I said, I come from a long line of warriors, and my mother, who taught me a lot of awesome things, also taught me how to worry. But she happened to love the late great theologian Irma Bombeck. Some of us of a certain age remember her humor. And she once wrote a wonderful treatise that sums up a little of what Jesus might have been talking about and the significant cost we pay for worry. It's called, If I Had My Life to Live Over Again. She writes, If I had my life to live over again, I would have talked less and listened more. I would have invited friends over to dinner even if the carpet was stained and the sofa faded. I would have eaten popcorn in the good living room and worried much less about the dirt when someone wanted to light a fire in the fireplace. I would have taken the time to listen to my grandfather ramble about his youth. I would never have insisted the car windows be rolled up on a summer day because my hair had just been teased and sprayed. I would have burned the pink candle sculpted like a rose before it melted in storage. I would have sat on the lawn with my children and not worried about grass stains. I would have cried and laughed less while watching television and more while watching life. I would have shared more of the responsibility with my husband. I would have gone to bed when I was sick instead of pretending the earth would go into a holding pattern if I weren't there for the day. I would never have bought anything just because it was practical, wouldn't show soil, or was guaranteed to last a lifetime. Instead of wishing away nine months of pregnancy, I'd have cherished every moment and realized that the wonderment growing inside me was the only chance in life to assist God in a miracle. When my kids kissed me impetuously, I would never have said, later, now go get washed up for supper. 
There would have been more I love you's, more I'm sorry's. But mostly when given another shot at life, she writes, I would seize every minute, look at it and really see it, live it and never give it back. Jesus said, do not worry about your life. Look at the birds, consider the lilies. He wants us, he wants you and me to stop squandering our energy and resources on anxious worry. He wants us to be present to God and to each other. He wants us to live with confidence that God will provide the resources we need to live, courage and hope and strength and security and love above all else love it's an invitation to come out of the past to step stop focusing only on our future and to rejoice in the blessings that are ours today amen